This is Cindy, my good friend and mentor, graduated with honors from the University of Connecticut at Storrs, receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in acting, directing, and playwriting. Cindy is a multi-year recipient of Long Island's Best Psychic. She is the author of multiple books which focus on life, love, and relationships. Cindy has been seen on television and is the regular host of her own radio show on Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Gary. He has been in the education field for over 20 years and earned his doctorate from St. John's University. He has spent most of his life motivating students of all ages and achieved mastery as an amazing instructional leader. Dr. Gary has been a personal trainer, teacher, professor, coach, DJ, and a professional wrestler, but he's also a psychic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Soul Matters Podcast. My name is Dr. Gary, and I'm here along with Cindy Sansone Braff. Good evening, Cindy. How are you today? I'm just terrific on this Labor Day weekend, saying goodbye to summer, but we're going to hold on as long as we can. That's for sure. We had actually a, a beautiful day on, on Friday here. It was, um, it was, it felt like summer again. It was oh, yeah. that hot sun, warm weather. I mean, it was really, uh, it was really nice. Uh, we celebrated my, my daughter's birthday that day. So uh-huh. it was, um, it was a lot of fun. You know, her cousins came over and we enjoyed, uh, we enjoyed some pool time, which, uh-huh. yeah, again, it's it, the weather has been a little weird. So it was kind of nice to see, um, and to, to kind of feel that hot sun on us. So we were definitely fortunate to have that weather, uh, which was actually really interesting too. During the birthday party, we had set up a table with all of, uh, you know, the decorations and, and presents and whatever. And right above the table was a huge praying mantis. Wow. And I've never seen one this big. And I've seen them before. And I've even seen them on my car coming out of a bank. But this was, it was the ultimate sign of like great luck and, and good fortune. And I was, I was like very excited to see that. Uh, because it just was, what are, what are the odds that we see it on, on that day? So it was really amazing. Oh yeah. That's always a sign that you're being watched over by spirit when you see a praying mantis. So, right. And they, and they think the word mantis, uh, comes from the word prophet. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's, it was really interesting. I, I, I had a, it, it really set the tone for the weekend, which was really nice. Well, I think your dad was there by the way. He must, I, I, yes. he must have sent that. He had to chase that praying mantis probably from three blocks away. <laughs> he probably did, yes. He, he probably told me, you better get there. Get there, get there. Come on, I'm pushing you with my energy body. I'm getting you over by his house. That's hilarious. Uh, so this is going to be a very interesting uh, episode, as all of our episodes are, or our sessions. Uh, but this one in particular... Uh, we're focusing on karmic lessons of COVID-19. And I think that one of the uh, major takeaways that I think anybody has experienced is just really taking for granted the things that we never really paid mind to. Uh, And that is like the big umbrella. And now there's all these little things that kind of trickle down from that big umbrella that really show us uh, and really expose to us what exactly uh, those karmic lessons are. So I'm, I'm very interested to get started and talk to you about uh, all the different uh, lessons uh, that we're learning during this particular time period. Okay. Now it's not supposed to just get people angry. 
that we're in the middle of a, yeah, yeah. That's the first response, pissed off, angry, but that's a very easy emotion, anger. And some people only seem to be angry. I don't know if you've ever noticed, they're always angry, but that's kind of a blanket emotion. And underneath anger might be some depression. I call it the Corona blues. You get a little bit sad over it. Um, there's regrets and remorse and longing. There's a lot of other emotions that are really anger can be covered up for. So we want to go beyond the anger, first of all. And 2020, it's not odd or weird to me that the coronavirus would happen in 2020, because for years, it's been channeled to me that 2020 would be a year of clear vision for people. Now, I had no idea that perhaps God would use a pandemic, however it's cause, not cause. I'm not even going to speculate on who did it, who did it, or how. I don't care. But he's using this particular phenomena for each of us to learn something different or many different lessons in COVID-19. Now, for instance, if you're in a bad relationship and you're stuck in a foxhole for months with someone that you don't get along with, haven't gotten along with for a very long time, that would be God's way of saying, you know, you haven't been happy for, you know, how long, five years, 20 years. And now I'm sticking you in this foxhole with this person. And you should have left this person sooner. Uh, you Now you're stuck, you know, courts were closed. You couldn't even divorce somebody if you wanted to, you were stuck. So God was saying, well, I gave you plenty of time. And all of our karmic lessons tend to happen on the five years of something, whether it's 2005, 2010, 2015, 2020. God is patient for five years with no matter what we're doing. But you can bet your bottom dollar when you hit five years, whether you're in a relationship with work or a person or even um, a decade you know, it's a time to think and it's a time for God to say, look, I've been patient for the last five years while you've been in this lousy, lousy relationship. And now I'm giving you that cosmic kick in the butt that said you should have moved when you could have. And now when we open up again, what are you going to do about this? If you have not been in a relationship, probably wasn't very much fun to be locked away by yourself for three months. I mean, you had a wife and a child have a wonderful husband. You know, we had people near us during this, so it made it a hell of a lot better than to be all alone. So if you're not in a relationship, if you're in a bad relationship, whatever it was, God was saying, now is your time to rethink. So what was channeled to me was uh, God was thinking Noah's Ark, but that was a little extreme. So let's not do Noah's Ark. Let's just do coronavirus. Okay, let's just pause the world. So what was channeled to me is this pause, reset, and choose again. So God paused your life, gave you some time to get off that treadmill where you were running, running, running. My life has been work, 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 work. So a lot of times I didn't deal with things I should have dealt with because I was perhaps a workaholic. Maybe I was a workaholic because it's part of nature of an old soul, but also maybe because I was trying to not learn my lessons. So if you're so busy all the time, you don't even have time to think about, I couldn't even remember what happened yesterday. I was so busy, let alone think about my problems. So God slowed us all down. 
to give us some time to pause our life and to reset it. And it does take a solid three months to break any bad habits. So if we were drinking too much, maybe God said, mm, I'm going to get you, I'm going to lock down those bars. So you're going to stay home. Maybe you won't drink so much for three months. If we were not having dinner with our family or just getting in a bad habit of being mean to our family members. And that happens because we're stressed out and we can't yell at our boss. We can't, you know, yell at people at work. So we come home and we kick the dog and yell at the kid. So God kind of slowed it all down for us to reconnect, break bad habits that we were in and perhaps come up with some better habits. Okay. You don't have to gain weight during COVID-19. You know, you could figure out the gyms are closed, but work from work out from the home, do something healthy, go for a walk, go for a run, go for a bike ride, whatever it is. But God wanted us to get out of some bad habits. So it's interesting, you know, the, the some of the things, you know, before we went on um, the air today to record, I had made a list of 10 things that I felt were probably one of the, or I guess the 10 most significant lessons that I've learned. And so far in the few minutes that you've spoken, I think you've hit probably on almost all of them that I wrote down. And, you know, a big piece of, I mean, it's funny that you said the the weight loss and the nutrition thing, because that's, that's one of my uh, my 10 lessons that I have written down. But a lot of people called it the, the COVID-30 instead of the COVID-19, <laughs> because people put on like 30 pounds. Um, I went the, I did go the opposite way, um, luckily, and, and I reevaluated. But one of the things that you had mentioned uh, was really one of, that was my number one thing, which was relationships. And attached to the relationship uh, piece of this, in, in my opinion, is really clearing the negative space. Uh, I I spent a lot of time over these past six months, uh, books that I would never have read in my life that I took the time to read, uh, relationships that I may have taken for granted or didn't get the chance to really, you know, dive into or, you know, make even, you know, better or improve them. I made sure I made the time for that because all we really did have was time um, during these past six months. So I think that that is a huge piece of this with the clearing of the negative space, because there, you know, if, if we're being truthful and, and, I'm, and if I'm being transparent, you know, I carried a bit of anger with me um, for whatever reason. And I, and I, it was really weighing heavy on my back. And this really, like you had mentioned it being a reset, like it gave me the ability to, to literally stop because I felt like I was in a perpetual state of motion that if I stopped, I would be lost. And it was like you had said, God forced this pause and it forced me to really stop dead in my tracks. Something that I've just have never been uh, used to. Uh, and some of the things that, like I had mentioned, re- being able to read books, reconnect, and even this podcast. And I think we've mentioned it on previous sessions has just been um, basically a, a, a labor of love as opposed to something that we felt we had to do because it pays the bills or it's <laughs> something that, you know, it, it makes the, makes the, uh, you know, the car payment, whatever it is, it, it's something that we were able to kind of um, wrap our heads around. So I, I'm really, um, I'm right there with you with, with those first two bullets that I actually have. Okay. And again, creatively some, you know, God shut down certain industries and they're still shut down. Hollywood still shut down. 
Um, I don't know if you know this. You're kind of young. What year were you born, if you don't mind telling us? Uh, 1980. Okay. So you had three years on this planet while there was still a television code of ethics. Most people have no idea what a television code of ethics was, but I was a writing major. So in 1975, when I was at the University of Connecticut, I had to take the television code of ethics. I had to say that I would not make crime pay if I wrote for television, okay? They were really concerned that television, it was a very brainwashing mechanism when it was first created, that it could really influence people very negatively if the values were not good on television. So drugs were not glorified and drinking was not glorified. There was a huge censorship, maybe much larger than it, than it needed to be, but it was very concerned that if someone got in trouble in this episode, they would be punished, not 15 later when nobody watches it. And they were also concerned that it could be very brainwashing to make Americans spendaholics. And so there were limited commercials. There was absolutely no branding in a show. You couldn't brand a box of cereal. Okay, they had cardboard around it. And they didn't want people to get brainwashed to be spendaholics. Now, if you watch television, there's no line of demarcation between a show and a commercial. They will literally have products all throughout the show, oftentimes very overpriced shoes or pocketbooks or whatever, to make people think they need a $40,000 pocketbook. And it's making people spendaholics. Your generation is spendaholics. I'm not saying you are, but... They spend way above their means. And so God kind of shut down Hollywood because a lot of the movies, a lot of the television shows were not good. You watch some of them on cable. You, I can't, can't believe it how I watched one program and I won't even name it, but I was watching it to see and you know, this, this writer, this filmmaker usually makes very moral shows, but this one happened not to be. And there were 12 episodes in which everybody was corrupt Every, every character, and one character killed 12 people or more. Do you know that show went off the air, did not get renewed, and no one got punished? So if you watch that show for 12 episodes, you think it's okay to murder, it's okay to steal, because you don't get in trouble. So God shut down Hollywood. He just didn't like what was being made, and he's not going to open it up anytime soon until people start figuring out if we're going to have these shows they have to be better. So maybe he's giving enough time that if you're not on air for a year and a half, maybe people are going to forget who some of these people are and they're not going to come back. So that industry has not opened up. The bar industry has not opened up again. There's certain things that God kind of said, people are binge alcoholics in America. They're drinking too much in the world. They're doing. So we're going to just slow a lot of this down. So there's lessons there. People are starting to watch older shows. People tell me they're watching Andy Griffith shows when that were made years ago when there was a television code of ethics. They're trying to watch better movies and better things, happier things. They don't want to watch murder and mayhem during this period. They want to watch light shows or happy shows. So I think that's a big change. And people were not even watching what their children were watching on television, by the way. They're too busy working. They have no clue what their kids are watching or seeing. Right. So parents are home now. They're watching what their kids are watching. They're there with their children. You know, right? It's it's incredible, and and it's funny because just on that sentiment alone, a lot of the parents now are much more appreciative of teachers because now they've become the parent, the teacher, oh, yeah. and now they're saying, you know, please God, open the schools 
because they obviously want their 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 children to be I don't know, obviously educated, but I think that they're finding value in what teachers had done because you know obviously decades ago teachers were highly revered and then there became a uh, a point in time most recent history where they weren't uh, you know if it almost seemed as though they were second class citizens in certain certain situations and now i think there is a renewed uh, respect respect uh just a, an emphasis on what you know what it is that we do and and i and i think that one of the things that uh, I do find even more even more interesting is I, I, one of the lessons that I you kind of sort of the touching touch on. I, you know, I used to be a U.S. history teacher as well. So when you talk about like that reset or watching you know older TV shows and kind of almost taking a step back from what is actually on TV, it reminds me a lot of the post World War II era when all of these. Soldiers were coming back. Levittowns were being built all over the country, and there was this this sense of renewal in like the family uh, dynamic and just centering around each other, as opposed to going and doing and being overstimulated and having this and having that. There was that you know sense of focus on that family dynamic, which I think again goes back to the relationship piece that we talked about, but. And also clearing the negative space, but also staying grounded. Uh, we talked about that a lot in past sessions. And, and I think that we're so quick to be all over the place that we really forget, you know, what is really important and what's supposed to be right in front of us. Or what is in front of us, we're not emphasizing uh, and spending time on or paying attention to. And, and that is the the relationships. And I don't mean just family, but, you know, friends that you haven't seen in a while or have a conversation with in a while. It's those. It's that renewal, that renaissance, or that rebirth of those types of connections that I think everybody had been missing for quite some time, and now appreciate even more. Of course, and it's also, uh, you know, procrastination. Americans have become very good in, in the world procrastinate. Oh, I'll do that next week. Um, you know, I have to go to the doctor, but I don't have any time. I'm so busy working, so I'll schedule an appointment, and it never happens. And then all of a sudden. We were stuck where you should have gone to your dentist regularly because now you can't go. And now maybe you're going to have a bad toothache. Maybe you should think about these things. Get your eyes examined when you're supposed to. Don't keep putting it off because we always think, well, I could put it off because when I feel like it, it'll be available. Like people were shocked that they couldn't get new glasses and they couldn't go to a dentist and they couldn't you know, go to the doctor. All these things that they put off and took for granted. So it's kind of like, do these things when you're supposed to do them. Don't put it off. Don't think, you know, you're always going to be able to be at your leisure when you want it to happen. So it's kind of an awareness that, you know, so, so, some people are really big procrastinators. I'm not, but a lot of people are. And God's like, well, maybe you should do things while you can. And these are like little lessons, depending upon who you are as a person. If you've worked way too hard, like part of the lesson is if you were going to die tomorrow, because we all thought between March and June, we were going to die. There was a possibility. I don't think there wasn't a person who wasn't terrified of this to think, oh my God, we don't know what this is. We don't know if it's going to get us. And so we're all thinking if we, all we did was work, well, maybe I should have taken a few days off. Maybe I should have spent some time with my friends when I could have. I kept putting that off. I kept putting off seeing family members. And now it's kind of, I can't see them even if I want to. So all of these things were, you know, our wake up calls for us that we're not always going to have all the time in the world to do things. 
I was always given very good advice once, you know, anybody that uh, is a procrastinator, a good rule of thumb, and this could be for anything, but if it takes less than five minutes, you should do it immediately. Don't put it off. And if that means a three minute phone call to make an appointment or to load a dishwasher or to fold clothes or do these little small things that kind of give that check mark on your list to get rid of them, then you start to kind of reverse those bad habits of being a procrastinator and then things don't build up and then you have a panic attack because you don't know where to go from there. Because uh, it's so, too much. You've just right. let it all pile up. And I think God gave us time to sort through things. I thought I sorted through papers and things I probably thought I never would do. You know, somebody would be stuck doing it when I die. But I realized there's papers here from 20 years ago. If I should die, my daughter's not going to know why I kept that paper from 20 years ago. Is it important? Is it not important? You know, like it must be important if she kept it for 20 years. So I went through all of those things, getting them in order, you know, things that, you know, a lot of my clients who are working mothers and, you know, they felt like their whole house was getting, you know, disorganized and they were able to organize their closets and clean things and do things. People painted a kitchen, you know, they did things, you know, in the house that they, they never had time to do. And so it kind of, for people who work very hard, there's an endless list of things to do. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people actually started to focus on, like you said, on their home. The landscapers had never been busier, you know, with, with paving work and, and landscaping and making their homes nicer because they either we have were to going, stay there. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's nothing else we can do. So we might as well li- you know, make our living space nice and, and attractive. So that's, again, that's something that, you know, many people lose their focus on. So you can always, you know, the expression, when you have a lemon, make lemonade as a playwright, oh, theater's shut down. So like, what are we going to do? Well, people are doing Zoom plays. They figured out we don't, we can do that. And I've been blessed to have one of mine done and another one will be done this week on Zoom. And for playwrights, that's a major win because there's only so many theaters, and you can't, your, your chance of your work getting done is so, so, so rare. Two, it's like it'll get done in two years from now. Like, really? I got to wait two years? I'm not getting any younger. Imagine now you get a Zoom play done in a few rehearsals and it's done. And a week later, it didn't cost a fortune to have it done. It didn't, you got quality actors from that can't do anything else right now. So they're thrilled to death. So as creative people, you can figure out ways to still be creative. If you're uh, a dance instructor, an exercise instructor, you could make a video videos or do the zoom or, you know, there's ways that we can still be connected. And I think that's also God's brilliant, you know, forcing us forward into a digital world that people were hesitant to go forward with. Like we have a lot of these things at our disposal. There's no reason anyone has to go to work sick now. Like if you have a cold, you can work from the home. Why do you have to go into work and make everybody sick? Right. Why can't you work from the home instead of bringing your illness to everybody? Even as a teacher, well, maybe you got a bad, you know, cold, but you're not that sick, but you want to have, you know, the substitutes in the room, but you could be zooming in the classroom as well and observing. Um, If a kid is sick, but they still want to see what's going on in class. You could have a Zoom always on there so that if someone's homesick, they can be still doing their work in terms of cleaning up the environment because there's too much commuting, you know, and it was you know all that driving, all those cars polluting 
the, the world, the air is fresher and cleaner. And that's the whole concept. Do we all need to go into work every day? Do people from Long Island have to go into Manhattan and commute four hours a day, every day, five days a week? Maybe they only have to go in one day a week. That gives them four more hours a day of not commuting to exercise, to eat dinner with their family, to sleep an extra hour, to read, to do things that four hours a day they didn't have time to do. So I think God is trying to say, look, we can use this technology to make life better and easier. And you weren't really using it. And now we all have discovered, hey, we can do this. Right. So and I think that um, a lot of the businesses now, they're really starting to look at their just their whole format, their whole infrastructure. And although it may result in people losing their jobs, which I hope that's not the case and people can re work remotely, but a lot of the, th a lot of their revamping of their, of their, their businesses are they don't need the brick and mortar or they can take half of their staff and work them remotely and be more efficient uh, and save money, which in, in on rents, which are right. exorbitant. Without For small businesses, the rents itself kill a small business. So Agreed. all of these things are, we can use this and how we learn to even, why do we have to go to the doctor all the time? You know, sometimes why can't you just see a doctor virtually, you know, if it's not a big deal, you know, so you don't have to drive there, Be especially when it's, if you're pretty healthy, but you have something that you need a prescription for or something, you have to sit in an office with sick people. Right. Why? So, and as a pediatrician, you know, when you bring your child and they're healthy for a well check, and everybody else is sick. So, there's a lot of things that can we can see how we can use this to for the better. So that in 2021, toward the end, it'll probably be at least another year till next August till Western world can say goodbye to coronavirus. I think it'll still be in third world countries. But when we open up a year from now or so. Are we going to open up and go back to the way it was? Or are we going to use the good things about it to give us an hour more a day or more time? Like working mothers and, you know, working fathers, we can't always run to the doctor. We can't always run everywhere, but we can do things virtually from our home. You can sit down and do it. So these are things I hope we'll continue to do. And I hope that even in the theater world, we'll continue to do Zoom plays, Zoom readings, Zoom things so that. You can meet playwrights from around the world that, and actors from around the world. You know, we can't all travel to wherever we're going to go. So these are things that if you look at the silver lining in this, there's many, many silver linings in it. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the things uh, you said, you've touched on so many great points and I want to actually react to a few of the things that you said, and then I want to get your opinion on, on something else. But one of the things that I, I that wraps this whole thing really, you know, together in a nutshell is one of the things that I focused on is really self-improvement. And I think a lot of people, because they're so, uh, you know, apt to be running and going and doing, they lose their, their concept of self. And oh, yeah. with that, their, their health, their wellness, their fitness, their nutrition, all of that, I mean, doesn't even take a back seat. It's not even in the car. And, and I think that with this, like you had said, this reset, this, this time to really sit down and, and look at what exactly it is that is important to us. I mean, I, I've always been, you know, 
into health and fitness. Um, I've, I'm limited because of, of, you know, a car accident that I had years ago. But, you know, one of the things that I, I try to really focus on is not only the physical health and the nutrition and watching that what you're eating and what you're putting in your mouth. It's very important because it does affect your, your, your mental health. But on top of that, in bridging with that, also your emotional well-being. This pandemic has messed with a lot of people's minds. And, oh, yeah. you know, we, I think I mentioned in one of the last sessions that we've had, you know, when all these advertisements, you know, it's okay to feel, not feel okay. And I'm like, well, what does what that, that's, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but I get the point, but what are, what have people been doing to get through it and, and make themselves understand what they're, the situation that they're in and how are they going to improve that situation, whether it's physically, emotionally, um, being mindful of being healthy and focusing on, on their nutrition and fitness. And I think that that's something that is, is super important. And on top of that is kind of cutting through the bullshit for lack of better term, like seeing things for what they really are, finding the truth and dispelling the fiction. And I think uh, I, I truly believe that it, it's been an eye opening experience for me these past six months, because I have really been able uh, to do what I think my wife has done very well for years. She's taught me, but I've been able to, I see things a lot more clear than I've ever seen them because I've actually, I've had the, I've had the break of the perpetual motion and the hundred miles an hour and constantly thinking 10 steps ahead. I have had that. I've been afforded the, that ability to stop and, you know, smell the roses and see exactly what is happening around me. And, and boy, that was a rude awakening. I have to be honest. I, I really never, I never really saw the space around me until I really stopped to think and look and actually observe what was happening. And, and that's where you really start to, to learn the truth. But on top of that, I want to get your, um, your opinion on people that, because we're obviously in an uncontrollable situation. There's nothing that much that we can do, but how do we inform our listeners and how do we help and add value to their daily life schedules by helping them control their reactions to uncontrollable situations? How would you guide now somebody? That's in that? the best question because, you know, I'm not, I've always said, I'm not surprised that we die. I'm literally surprised that we live because huh. anything could kill us. You know, when I was four and my eight-year-old brother told me, Cindy, anything in this room could kill you. He said, you, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you could get electrocuted. You could fall and hit your head. Someone could come and kill you. There could be a virus that's going to kill you. So truly, I was terrified until I thought about it for a few days. And I said, really, if that's the case, then there must be someone or something watching over us. There has to be angels. There has to be some sort of guides to watch over us, that protect us all the time. Sure. And the message in this is we're in control of nothing, okay? And people are control freaks. They want to control everything. Yeah, God is pretty cooperative. If you dot your I's and you maintain your papers and you're careful and you're cautious, God's usually pretty damn cooperative, Okay but there are random acts of karma that you are not going to predict that drunk driver that comes out of nowhere and gets you. Okay. So this lesson is really let go and let God. Okay. One day at a time, what's on your plate today. 
That's all we're supposed to ever concern ourselves with. Do what you're supposed to do today. Remember we talked about procrastination? You're not doing what you're supposed to do today. You're supposed to get an eye exam. You're supposed to get this. So this is do what's on your plate. Take it one day at a time and realize that we are not in control of anything. But we can learn to control what we control. During this, they found that, you know, COVID-19 does not like diabetes, does not like heart disease. It'll, you know, eat you alive with some of these diseases. So maybe this is a time to watch your blood sugar and get that blood pressure down and take better care of yourself and take some supplements and eat better. Like those things we can control. We can control what we put in our body. We can control keeping ourselves in shape and healthy, but that's all we can control. And again, once you do what you're supposed to do, that's why I've lived my life. I'm a careful person. I'm a cautious person. I don't tempt the gods. Okay. I take calculated risks, but I don't do things that I know I'm not qualified to do, or they're going to get me killed. Okay. I try to, I don't, I try to drive carefully and not speed and do the things that I'm supposed to do so that I can control those things. But after that, I relax and let my angels take care of it. Let God take care of it. You know, that is their job. But of course, they can't help us if we're, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And by worrying excessively and being a control freak, you're more likely to have things happen because God will say, really, you're so damn worried about this. I'm going to give you what you're worried about. Okay, now you're going to have to deal with it. And then we find we got through it. So it's kind of, you're right. This is a year that we had to learn. We are not in control of anything other than what we can control. Right. Okay. It's actually, and, what you just said reminded me of my father who used to say, you want to cry? I'm going to give you something to cry about. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's like what God will do. He goes, really? You're that worried about this, that, or that? Well, I'm going to make it happen now. Right. And so all this excessive worry, it's a word that from the other side, they're not even supposed to use once they die. But people who are dead less than five years or a year or so, they tend to say, I'm worried about my daughter. I'm like, no, you're supposed to say, I'm concerned. Where is ye of little faith? Okay. Concern is one thing, but all this, what if this happens? What if that happens? All that OCD worrying. Um, if only I did this, if only I did that, that doesn't take care of anything. You're living in the past, you're obsessing about the future and you're not living in the now. So that is again, the, probably the clear vision God wants us to know is we can only control what we can control. And I think that that what if game is a very dangerous game to play. And, and, oh, and the yeah. people that I that I speak to and I and I, I I read and I counsel. One of the things that I tell them is I I try to tell them like when you have when you're having those thoughts of those what if thoughts of those out of control panic moments. I I tell them to imagine in your mind's eye two filing cabinets. One filing cabinet is of rational and controllable situations, life happenings, and the other is the irrational or the uncontrollable filing cabinet. If there is something that happens or comes in across your path in your life, that is something that you can control, like taking care of yourself, you know, watching what your, your, your health and nutrition, making a doctor's appointment, staying organized. That is rational. That is controllable. Place that in that filing cabinet in your mind's eye. If it's something that is irrational, that what if thought or uncontrollable, which is most things that we, like you had mentioned, we can't control. You place that in that filing cabinet, you slam the door and you lock it because there's not much else you can do with those thoughts except create 
panic, worry, and anxiety. And I think that in a, in a very small, uh, you know, and I'm not a mental health counselor, but in a, in a very small, um, you know, focus, if you were looking at just this one little instance, it's, it's almost the best way to organize your thoughts because other than that, you, you almost can, you can go insane playing that what if game. It's, it's too much. And, and that's exactly, this is not, this is year to also be very aware of death. We tend to deny death. We tend to think it's somewhere out there far off. And, but death is always something that could happen any moment. We don't know. We don't have that. And so thinking that we, our death could have happened made us all rethink our life. Am I happy with the life I'm living? If I were to have died, you know, in March, would I have said I did what I should have done? I'm happy where I am. I'm happy in my life. And if your answer is no, then you have another chance to rethink and choose and make it a better life. If you've had a passion, you said, I'm going to do five years from now, 10 years from now. Well, why can't you do it now? I have plenty of clients that are jobs they hate. And now through this COVID-19, they're thinking, well, I always wanted to be a hairdresser or I always wanted to, you know, be a plumber. And I'm like, well, so what's stopping you from doing it? You know, you're going to be two years older no matter what, you know, but you go back to school for two years or four years. You're going to be four years older, but you'll have a career you love. What, you know, one of my clients was so discouraged from doing a job he really wanted to do because his family didn't think it was a job that would be right for him. Well, I said, well, do it now. Like, this is our regret. So we have to look at it as, you know, think about if you were dying tomorrow, am I happy with my life? And that even includes relationships or lack of them because, you know, God was getting really tired of the way relationships are going nowhere, where people were sitting in their rooms and, uh, you know, they're in their 30s and, oh, yeah, well, you know, I have time to find love. Well, well you didn't find it. And now you're stuck in, in, in your room by yourself. Maybe you should have gotten out there when you could. So all these are like, you said you want love, but I'm not ready for it now. Okay, well, now you got to wait because the world's closed down on you. So these are things that God wants us to be aware that it's not always in our time that we have to do things. Time is limited. Right. We are limited by how long our life is going to be. And all of us were definitely scared during, during that few months. I mean, I think everyone thought of the possibility that this could have killed them or, or can still kill them. And Again, we need to think, is our life, are we living the best life that we can? Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I had wrote down on, on my list, and, and then I think it will almost come full circle back into karmic lessons, because I, I, had, a, I had a very strong conversation with, uh, with a friend about karmic lessons. And when some things keep getting presented to you over and over and over again, and you're not learning from them, that and in your words, Cindy, uh, you know they basically kick your ass, right. and and it's something that we're going to circle around to. Uh, but one of the things that I really uh, another thing that I feel that I've I've learned during this this whole time frame was to eliminate energy vampires, oh, and yeah. I I feel as though being able to identify them as well as control your reactions to those that are around you that are energy vampires, I think has even given me more energy besides just focusing on health, wellness, nutrition, emotional, social health. 
I think it's given me more energy because I've had the, uh, the ability to identify and remove them. But I've also, we've all been given that pause where we've had a particular time period where they were no longer around us, or at least were separated from us from a short period of time. So I wanted to get your, your feedback and your reaction to uh, eliminating energy vampires. Well, that's, in, that's very important in our life always. And setting healthy boundaries is something that you know energy vampires don't do. And it gave us an excuse to say, well, you know, I can't see you right now because, you know, we're locked down. But energy vampires are everywhere. And what they do is just feed off of us. They're takers. Okay. They just take and take and take. And, you know, oftentimes we just give and give and give. But, you know, in order to get rid of energy vampires, it's very important that you set healthy boundaries. You know, allow that person to talk about their lousy marriage that they've been in for 40 years and you've been hearing it for 40 years. Who wants to hear it anymore? They can talk to you about 10 minutes and then you're going to say, that's it. You know, let's move on to another topic. Let's do something else. If they're really toxic to you, then, you know, realizing that we don't have all the time in the world. So why do we want to spend our time near these people? Even if we had been close to them in the past, it's time to let go of them and clear the path for healthier, happier, relationships. You know, all of us are very busy and, you know, we don't have time for people that don't bring us joy or add to our life. So again, it's hard sometimes to cut these people out. Um, you know, sometimes we feel guilty or bad, but just if you're not enjoying someone anymore, then that's valid enough reason. Not all relationships are meant to last forever. Maybe you were a whiner and complain, not saying you personally, but Maybe, you know, I remember being a whiner and complainer. So there are certain friends, if I want to whine and complain, I can call them up because that's all they'll do. But after a while, you don't want to be with whiners and complainers. And so you have to kind of cut these people out and move forward. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's something that, you know, I do believe that people enter your life for certain periods of time for a very specific purpose and reason. And sometimes they, those relationships last a very, very long time. Sometimes it's a blip on the map. And, you know, I, I do believe that we are supposed to learn lessons from those individuals, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, if they're in our lives for a long period of time and, and we're, we're gaining value from it or, or it's, you know, it's, it's helping us or we're just, it's a, it's a healthy relationship then great, it's meant to last. But if those people are those energy vampires or they're just, it's an unhealthy situation. And a lot of the time, like you had mentioned, people have a very difficult experience with trying to cut them out. And you feel that guilt, you feel that regret, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, yet you're the one being hurt. So it, it's it's given us the opportunity to really reevaluate those connections and those relationships. And I, and I do feel that it's, you know, it's, it's important to really take a look at it. And I, I'm not necessarily big on making lists uh, and, you know, the pros and the cons. I think it, it has value. Uh, but one of the things that I would advise people to do is really sit down and what do you think are your pandemic lessons? What are the things that you have learned during this particular shutdown, this pause, where you feel that things that you can control that you can work on and do better with and things that are left, you know, better untouched or 
place them that uncontrollable, irrational filing cabinet, because I do believe that there has to be a little bit more of a focus on self. And once you focus on self and improve self, then so many different pathways and doors will open for you, especially with relationships, with love, uh, friendships, even even jobs and, and careers. I think that it, there's so many different pathways that will open up once we we are grounded and we can and we can so so called you know like I mentioned cut through the bullshit. And also, just the lesson I think the major lesson is time. How do you spend your time? God made us pause. We've been however we were spending our time. For a brief period of time, it was totally stopped or had to redo it. But how do you spend your time? And, you know, time is what life is made of. You know, people are very careful how they spend their money oftentimes, but they're not careful how they spend their time. And time is not, we don't have all the time in the universe. We have a limited time on this earth. So where were your priorities? Were you spending too much time with your bromances and your stupid friends getting drunk? Well, maybe that was a bad way of spending and God just shut that down. Maybe you were spending too much time at work, too much time doing things that you probably should have spent less time. It's like, where are your time come to a sense of balance with it between work and play? If your relationships were being neglected, then spend some time fixing that. But all of us have to think, how are we spending our time? Because our time adds up to our life. And all of us begin to realize, yeah, that's a really important question. Have I spent the time that is my life the way that I should have? And is it what I wanted to be doing? So some people are going more to their hobbies because that's their passion. And they figured, you know, I work, but I'm going to like, I'm going to have time for my hobby. I'm going to have time for this thing that I always wanted to do, but I'm always too busy to do it. Look, if not when, you know, if not now, when is the question. Right. And, and, and so, that's huge. I think that that is so huge. Like, I know, you know, you always hear that cliche, you know, time is money. Well, you know, if you spent your time as carefully as you spent your money, then you may see the value in the time that you're using or wasting or spending because, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I mean, you know, the the time that I had to spend with my my wife, the time that I had to spend with my daughter at, at, at a young age, uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you equate that? How, how do you put a value on that? You can't. And I don't think we'll, you know, as things start to open up and things get to, you know, back to normal, uh, whatever that that looks like, I think that we will look back on this and we'll see. All of that time that we had, did we spend it correctly? Did we add value to other people? Did we add value to our relationships? And did we, you know, learn from our mistakes of the past? And did we correct those as we continue to move on our path? Exactly. So remember, it wasn't there to just aggravate us. It was there to give us clear vision in a way that you've probably never had in your life. And look at it and the blessings of it and use this time wisely and think how you're going to use your time when the world opens up. Are you going to go back to all the same distractions you had? Or are you going to realize I don't need to spend that much time, you know, doing things that aren't really productive or aren't really yielding what they do. And sometimes people just got in really bad habits, that negative habits, and some of them have been broken and let's make some new habits.
and spend our next, so that 2021 and right up into 2025, because remember our life works in five-year cycles. So at the end, when we reach 2025, we're probably all going to say what a blessing 2020 was for all of us. It's interesting because I think right now people are just, you know, saying like, what a disaster this has been. Like they can't wait for it to be over. But I think you're right. Like you'll, hindsight is 2020. Right. Exactly. When you see in the, when you walk, when you walk down the, the road into the future and you look back, hindsight will in fact be 2020 and you'll be able to see that, wow, I had all of the time in the world to do the things that I wanted to do. And did I do the things that I needed to do, wanted to do, and should have done? And I think that that really, it totally brings us full circle um, for this episode. So, And I certainly hope some of our listeners will take a moment to go on our Soul Pod um, cast uh, Facebook page and Soul Matters podcast and kind of let us know what lesson they learned or did this change them for the better? I'd like to hear some from people, wouldn't you? Oh, without a doubt. And, and, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, I try to, you know, we, we have people that reach out to us, they email us and it's great, you know, post it on Facebook, let us know, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, focusing on health and wellness. And I have to give a shout out to my friends over at Vita Whole Body Cryo in Setauket who have been, uh, you know, amazing in just providing a, an avenue for myself to kind of rejuvenate and replenish and, you know, all the services that I've been able to use there, including the the cryo and the sauna, just to kind of, uh, you know, get back, you know, get grounded, get healthy. And, and it's just a, it's a great, it's a great way to start focusing on self. So I want to thank my friends over there, but, and I, and I do, I want to hear from people. I want to hear, um, you know, on Facebook, I want to see them. I want to see them on Facebook. I want to see them in email. Uh, however they can get to us, we want to hear. I love getting emails. I love seeing the posts and, and hearing the stories from Cindy. So, you know, please, we, we want to hear from you. And I, and I hope everyone is, is doing well and staying well. And good luck in your new school year. Yes, thank you very much. It should be very interesting, but we're going we're gonna to do the best that we can. And we're going to, we're going to rise above and we're going we're gonna to make sure that uh, our students get everything that they need. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to starting off the year and, and making it positive and adding value for people. So, Cindy, uh, thank you so much again for this fantastic episode. Uh, again, and I hope that, um, like I had just said, it adds value to people and they find that there is there is life after pandemic and there's also <laughs> things that we can learn um, during this this pause and, and, I, and I hope that uh, people find that so again thank you so much and I look forward to our next session it's amazing oh it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing Now. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a topic or a question or would like to be a guest on Soul Matters Podcast with Cindy and Dr. Gary, please email us at soulmatterspodcast at gmail.com.